This is the Garden Cinema Film Talk, presented by Michael Chambers and Abla Kandalaft. We chat with filmmakers, actors, producers and film commentators about the art of film. We talk about the films they made, how they made them and the ones they'd like to make. This week, Michael and I are talking to director Colin Barade at the Curzon offices where he is promoting his film The Quiet Girl. The Irish-language film, which garnered much acclaim on the festival circuit, is Colm's first feature fiction film and is based on the short story Foster by Claire Keegan. Thank you very much, Colm, for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, we, we saw the film, was it about three weeks ago? I thought this was such a great film, we must show it. What did you particularly like about it? I liked the fact that it was um, it was understated and yet very powerful, and it was powerful because you, you really got into the mind of the young girl, and the sorrow of the couple was so again understated, suppressed but so strong that if it had been more overt, it would have perhaps been a bit uh, bit too much, and that way it came out so well so that the ending was very strong and very moving. You had tears in your eyes at the end. I thought that was, uh, that was a, welcome, a welcome approach to the subject. Nicely done. Thank you very much, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think to some degree that's, um, I think, testament to the original work on which the film is based, which is a story by Claire Keegan called Foster, yeah. yeah. And she's completely unsentimental as a writer, you know? Yeah. And again, like uh, similar to the film, it's, it's, it's a completely first-person experience, you know? It's, yeah. it's written in the present tense. It's all through this girl's eyes. Yeah. So even as an author, that limits, like, how much... Because the, you know, the, the character can't understand more than the character understands, you know? It's, yeah. yeah. And the, the same doesn't quite hold true when you, when you translate or transpose to, to the film medium because... There are things that you can that you kind of witness maybe that are beyond the scope of the girl to some degree, but it's you know I think it's I think it's a fairly good example of a first person narrative in terms of film and yeah. and aligning an audience with a young character's point of view, yeah, yeah. and yeah I mean in terms of that question of restraint it's as I say it's that it's it's there it's kind of hardwired into Keegan's writing and I wanted to honor that and to translate that yeah. to to the film medium and. Um, you know, there's that. There's a great. I bought Robert Bresson's uh, notes on a cinematograph. Or, yeah. I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but um, it's like a collection of all his notes. You know that he would have had over the years, just like little one-liners. And, yeah. But there was one that's that that's kind of stood out that like ties in precisely to this. And I'm kind of paraphrasing slightly, but he said something about production of emotion is achieved by uh, restriction of emotion. Yeah. So it's that notion of restraint, yeah. ultimately allowing for something that can be quite moving, you know, yeah. that if you do something, if you, if you observe something in a, in a kind of an unfiltered or uninflected way and, and do that truthfully, that the emotional sort of catharsis when it comes feels more profoundly felt, I think. And if it builds up steadily, mm. it's one thing if it builds up and then it falls away, then yeah. yeah. I presume that you decided to adapt the 
novel or how did that come about or did did a scriptwriter suggest it? No, I I, I read it. Um, yeah. It's actually it's not even a novel. It's only a it's, it's, a, a, it's, a, it's a long short story. Claire actually doesn't like it even being called yeah. a novella. She always yeah. calls it a long story. short story. Yeah. So yeah, I read it and I I just fell in love with it. You know, yeah. I had the same reaction that a lot of people seem to be having having to the film, which is just in tears by the end. You know, yeah. and um, really felt like I had I had stepped into this young person's shoes and, yeah. and experienced this this summer. You know, I so, have one question about the end. Yeah. Not about anything else, just the end. The end, have you seen the film? Yeah. Yeah, well, the end, you haven't seen it. I have no. The end is the girl who's been fostered with her relatives for about two or three months while her mother's pregnant goes back to the parents after the birth of the child. But the couple she was fostered with was so attached to her because they'd lost their only child and she was a sort of replacement. It upset the, the, this couple, this child, now childless couple, enormously, and it upset the girl because this couple was so much nicer to her, so much more caring than her own family, her own parents, and her siblings. She had about five or six sisters. Then, when the couple left her there and said, "Well, we've got to leave you here. We're going," and they got into the car to drive away. She suddenly thought, "No, no, I don't want to stay. I want to be with you." So she ran after them and jumped into the arms of the man. Ah, and she was so relieved to be back with him. And you felt, ah, I can understand that. That's, you, you've made the right decision there. But then suddenly the camera turns around and there's the father coming after her up the road. And so there's going to be an almighty struggle now. The girl's going to say, no, I want to stay. And the father's going to say either, oh, well, if you want to stay, you can stay. Or he's going to say, no, no, you've got to come back and you're out. And there'll be a fight between them. It's going to come to an amazing climax, this film. And then suddenly the credits roll. And you think, the film stopped. It's like you're watching High Noon or something. And, you know, the, 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 the villains are coming up the street with their guns. And there's Gary Cooper with his guns facing them single-handed, facing these things. You don't know what happens. And I thought, ah, I don't know. It's very moving. But suddenly you think, what happened? And I'm sure that was in the novel as well. Yeah, the, it, it, it ends at precisely the same moment, yeah. But well, to me, you see, you to me, to say, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that belongs in the film. I think it's a different type of film, you know. Oh, why is that? Because it's sort of histrionics, you know. It's not, it's not, um... I think the film has made the point that it's trying to make before, you know, at the moment that it ends, I don't think the film has anything else left to say. I mean, to see the father struggling with the daughter. No, but something's going to happen there. It's like these, you know, the two poles, they're coming towards each other. Something's going to happen when they meet. Yes. Well, you want to know what's going to happen then? <laughs> yeah, but that's up to the audience. And that's what... We can't tell because we don't know what the father's going to say to the... We have no idea what they're going to say to each other. Well, I'd imagine if you ask each audience member what they think would happen, you wouldn't get the same answer. You'll get many yeah. different answers, and that's a lot of people have yeah. a lot of people have speculated about that with us. They've kind of they've kind of some people think, oh yeah, she gets to go back with the Kinsellers, and like she has this other life, and other people are like, no, no, the father is just bringing her back. Like that's yeah. what's happening. That's the reality that's of things. Especially you're watching yeah. High Noon, and it suddenly stops before the, the anything happens. Some members of the audience will say. 
Well, of course, Gary Cooper, he's going to kill them all. They always do. The others would say, yeah, but he was outnumbered three to one. He hadn't got a chance. He's going to be shot. But that's a, it's not a fair example because oh. High Noon is a totally different structure. You know what I mean? The whole High Noon is all about that meeting. There is an example of a film where you absolutely couldn't, because like, the whole film is about that. You're the first person actually to have said that they felt robbed of anything in terms of like the film not delivering an, you know, well, a piece of, of narrative information. Well, that was. Way, if the result in the mind of what was her, Keegan was that the girl stayed with these um, people who looked after her for three months, then you didn't need to see the father coming up the road. If, on the other hand, the father was going to grab her and take her back, then that was perfectly right to show him coming after them. Well, Otherwise, you could have just left that out. Well, there, there are two reasons. There are two reasons for that. Yeah. One is that it tells you something about the father. You know, the, to me, what's interesting about the father character, even though he's essentially... You know, to put a very simplistic term on it, he's like the bad guy of the film. But that act of him going there, him walking towards that, tells you something about him, that it's not just that there's a part of him that's actually injured by the notion that his daughter has ex- has essentially accepted another father figure. Oh, so he would that there's a depth of that there's a depth of character there that's yeah. that that I find really interesting. And I think Michael Patrick, who played the role, was very cognizant of that. And I can understand this from Keegan's point of view, why she wrote it this way. It's it's setting up what is the final statement of the film, which is when she says, she sees her own father coming towards towards her. And she says, almost like a muscle memory, she says, Daddy. And then she says the same word again, but she's saying it into the ear of this man who has become her father. Yeah. And that's the ultimate statement of the film. All of the other stuff so is the other. All the other stuff is soap, okay. soap opera. That's so soap opera. The rest so what's of what's the ultimate statement of the film? Then she says, "Daddy," to this newer uh, couple, and but the real daddy says he wants her back. So you've got this conflict. Then the girl wants to stay, and he wants her back. So you want to know what happens when the girl says, "No, I'm staying," and he's no, because it's not his back. story. It's her story, and the film is about her discovering love, and yeah. it, and it's also a film about the unfortunate truth that your biological family isn't always where you find happiness. You I know? agree. I agree with you all the way. I don't disagree with the word you say, except I was left wanting to know, if you show the father coming after them, because you didn't have to show that, you could have shown her running to the car, jumping in the arms of this man, saying, Daddy, and he gets in the car with her and off they go. That would have been an ending. And that would have shown everything you've been talking about, the how love develops with a, another. Yes, but it would be an unrealistic and pat ending if, if that was to happen. You know, if she was just to head off with them. You know, it just doesn't, it wouldn't make sense that so they would even accept her. They wouldn't drive so, off with her. So what is the realistic ending then? The realistic ending is that you leave it on this moment of grace where she has with this man. And, you know, where you're giving full expression to the theme of the film. And then, it, but you're also allowing the audience space to realize that the, that life isn't a movie. Life doesn't end in in you know in the happiest of fashions always. The reality is that she's she's probably going to have to go back with this guy. Like he's going to bring her back up, and that's that's. So the reality is, if it's realistic, is that there would be a confrontation. Yes. Right. That's the reality. But then it becomes a question of resonance. Like, where do you want your film to end? And you what is the... end it when it ends, and the end is either she goes off with the new family or she goes back to her old family. That's... Well, yeah, but you can leave that question open. Well, no, you don't have to answer that question. That's not reality. That's popping out. 
No, it isn't. It's <laughs> which is, it's popping out of the actual ending, which, as you said yourself just now, is either she goes with the new family or she goes back to the old one. You said that is... Today. Yes, but a film doesn't have to answer those questions. How did you... You've read the novel. No, the, I the, you have to, Ah, okay. How's, how's I, that I imagine that the novel is exactly the same. If the novel had it one way or the other, a film wouldn't just stop dead like that. The film had to be following the novel. So obviously that was in the novel as well. But if I'd been the director, I'd have said to myself, well, which way does she go? If she's going back with the father, then you've got to show the confrontation. If, in fact, she's going with the new family, then you don't need to show the father coming up the road. But then it robs the it robs the moment of the opportunity for her to utter those words, you know, in a way that no, feels... No, no, she says daddy when she's jumped into his arms. That feels too pat. It feels too sentimental. Whereas if it you have the father it there... It's not a sentimental film at all. No, I, I hope not. I mean, no. we strove for it not no, to be. No. Oh, absolutely right. But it would be if she was, if the father wasn't there and if she was to jump into this man's arms and start calling him daddy. Whereas if you actually allow for the complexity of what's about to happen and then the reality of that she could utter those words. I, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned that her, her own actual father, you say he was hurt by the fact that she was leaving him behind. So there was no it, sign of that before. Well, I, I'm curious to see whether that's how you interpreted it, or was it more the fact that he felt disrespected? Well, that it was his role as a father. Yeah. To well, those two those two things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. You know that there's his pride can be injured, but also something yeah. something deeper. You know can be can feel uh, slighted. You know that there's. Like, I wonder about him, and I wonder... To me, he's one of the more tragic characters in the film, actually. Mm. I wonder about what kind of childhood he experienced, you know? And because most forms... Parenting is, is almost always a reenactment, you know, of sorts. It's, yeah. it's, it's whatever you experience. Yeah. To me, I, I see him as, as a young child, almost like caught, and, and I wonder what, what it was that, that he experienced. Yeah. And then, you know, because of that, the things that, that have become his failings, which is his excessive drinking and his... Uh, gambling and his 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 this sort of chasm that exists between him and his actual family, that they're a product of all of those things and of of that childhood, yeah. and that he has he actually has a he he resents how other people view him, but then at the same time he's kind of given up on on trying to present any other face that he's he's given into this the way that he's judged, um, and that it's sort of a spiraling thing then you know. But there's still that part of him that's hurt by the notion yeah. Yeah. that well, this he, girl that is his own flesh and blood would choose this would other... Run, run back to the other man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's clear, yeah. And Keegan herself has said that it was inevitable that the daughter, the girl, would go back with the original family. So I said to myself, well, if that was inevitable, show it. <laughs> but I, I watch it and I don't think there's any other possibility of what yeah, happens there. Right, yeah. Yeah. Well, then, like, yeah. Do you think she's going to run off with them? I thought she would, yeah. Well, yeah, but I just know, you know, coming from our society and knowing how families worked there um, and worked in the past, well, like there's no way that would have, it well, would happen. It should have been shown. All hell would have No, because it doesn't need to be. You don't need to show everything. <laughs> well, because I felt definitely she she ran away so vigorously to get away from this family. But see, that's a slight, you know, I would contest that slightly in that it's not that she's necessarily running away to get away from the family. To me, what's happening in the final scene is that that's a gesture on her part towards these people that she's spent this summer with and who have given her so much. 
It's a gesture of thanks of sorts. And it's also a gesture of, if you consider, as she's running down that road, and the things that are going through her mind as she's running, and she's seeing the the care, the you know physical yeah. care that was given to her, yeah, yeah. and then she's seeing also you see images where you know she realized the reality of what had happened with the Kinsella's child. Yeah. So she's actually running towards these people, and it's um, it's a gesture of thanks, but it's also a gesture of saying I understand the pain uh-huh. that you have gone through. I understand what you've lost. You yeah. see Eileen in the car in tears and floods of tears because it's almost like they're leaving their child behind again, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, and that, that to me is a, and this is in Keegan's original text, but it's a beautiful illustration of how that young person has grown yeah. psychologically and emotionally to be able to do that. And to express it so fulsomely and to embrace this man who she's never even, even though they become quite close, she's never done that. You know, and even when they say goodbye outside the house, there's no embrace. But to do that, to, she's essentially saying like, I love you and I, I see yeah. you. I see everything that you've gone through. Yeah, and I, I thank see, you for what you've done. I can see that's a possible interpretation. But I thought that because when she came back to the, her original family, when they dropped her off, the whole family turned her back, their backs on her. The, the sisters hardly recognised her. The mother didn't even greet her. The father looked very morose, not at all happy. Nobody said, oh, nice to see you back. The poor girl was sort of just left in a terribly hostile environment. And it wasn't surprising when she ran back to try and catch the car and leave them. But do you understand, having said all of that, yeah. why it doesn't make sense then that it, it, you would actually be doing a disservice to what that final scene is about if you were to focus on this sort of soap opera that, that may or may not have happened afterwards. Do you know that, like, the, the dad, like, pulling her off and whatever, you know, it just feels, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's besides the point, in a sense, you know? Yeah. And it would, it would rob the film of the sort of grace note that I feel it ends on. Oh. Okay. I thought it was the obligatory scene that was missing. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to tell you, there's no director's cut in which there's another scene at the end. <laughs> you didn't film an alternative ending. No, 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 no. Given, no. given what you describe uh, is her, um, um, her character's journey, mm. what was it about her or the parent figures that resonated with you specifically as a filmmaker, as a storyteller? You, this is your first, am I right, your first fiction feature film? Yeah. So what was it about that specific story that you felt compelled you to make a film out of it? Tell that story visually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, well, on one hand, I've always been drawn to young protagonists. You know, like all of my short dramas have been stories of young people. I'm, I'm kind of drawn to films about childhood and, and precisely for the, for the reason that you point out in terms of point of view, I think films about child, childhood offer a really for me anyway, a very enticing sort of prospect in terms of presenting a point of view and, and exploring a world like through the through those eyes. Yeah. And then how that how you how you kind of translate that then to the sort of the aesthetic of, of the film is a really interesting journey then for me as well. Like it's you know, for us it was a question of trying to find a sort of simplicity of form, you know, that would somehow reflect this like still you know, not that she's an unformed person, but that she's she's a person in progress. You know, she's she's someone who's 
on the threshold of understanding the adult world or yeah. you know it's it's sort of occupying liminal spaces always you know that it's um so yeah it was about trying to myself and the director of photography used to talk about trying to find almost like a naivety to some of the image making that would that would kind of try and reflect uh Cord's point of view and also the decision to shoot it in the academy ratio which felt like you know on the one hand it's 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 making the, the point of view feel slightly more contained you know it felt true to the, the the first person feel of it. It's just the way that the frame held her character felt right. But it also spoke to us in terms of she doesn't totally understand the world yet. It's not, it's it's sort of everything is just slightly beyond her comprehension. I thought it was a great thing that it was in the Irish language, the Gaelic. No, I thought it was wonderful. It, it added to the film. It definitely made the film better. And I can't explain why it was. It made it more authentic. You feel that this is, these are real people. Um, speaking Irish, it gave them an authenticity. And if the same film had been made with them all speaking English, like the, the father spoke English, it wouldn't have been as strong, I think. Yeah. I think it added a huge dimension to the film. Yeah, yeah. All your work's been in the Irish language so far. So far, yeah, essentially. So you speak Irish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was raised bilingually, yeah. like so Irish and English, so ah. kind of like caught text, you yeah. know, like one parent speaking English and the other was Irish all the time. No, it was a tremendous authenticity to the whole thing. And it also, I think it adds a little to the the dynamic of the, the father figure and the family, and it's sort of, it's saying something about the fact that this man can't actually communicate, you know, yeah. that they're literally speaking a different language That's of right. sorts, you know. And, the, and the, how did you find all such Irish-speaking act, actors, including the girl? Like in Ireland, you have like a Irish language education kind of a network. Like you have certain schools that teach exclusively in Irish yeah. called Gwail School. And so we put out a call to those for like self-tapes from from interested uh, people. And yeah, we, we got a tape in from Catherine and we just we knew immediately. Yeah. Like, but yeah, but then the big thing like in terms of the Irish language and in terms of the media is that 25, 26 years ago now, TG Cahar, TG4, which is the Irish language TV station, was set up. Oh. And they're one of the primary funders of the scheme uh-huh. under which this film was made. So this film is almost like a an evolution of that, a kind of a growing confidence in terms of the Irish language and, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, filmmaking and, you know. Well, he's hoping we see more of the... Yeah, yeah. More yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you will. I think there's more coming. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Thank you so much, Cole. Thank, Thank you. you. That was lovely. Thank you very much. This was the Garden Cinema Film Talk. You can find out more about the cinema screenings and seasons on our website, thegardencinema.co.uk, and follow us, send us comments and feedback on our social media, at The Garden Cinema. Thank you for listening.